TEDx speaker, radio show host, international best-selling author, mindset magician, co-founder and director of the Teen Suicide Prevention Society, Jackie Simmons is best known for her mission to make teen suicide a thing of the past. Blindsided by her 14-year-old daughter's suicide attempt in 1995, Jackie Simmons entered a world of depression, addiction, medical mysteries, and deadly silences. Today, Jackie is going to share her amazing journey that changed her life and started an international movement. Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Jackie Simmons. Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope, Jackie. Thank you. I am so excited to be here, Carol. Well, your story is one that in eight years that I've been doing this show, I have not discussed this with anybody else. So this is a first. And I really sincerely, as you can imagine, we all need to hear this message. And I certainly have been a victim of it. And I think many of my listeners have been as well in that we know somebody and especially someone very close to us, in my case, my son, who tried to commit suicide at a young age. So this is an amazing topic, a timely topic, and I am indeed grateful that you are here today to share with our listeners. Oh, thank you, Carol. You're right. You have hit upon something. I think everyone's life has been touched by suicide. Yes, yes. So first of all, let's do your backstory. Let's talk about who you are, where you came from, the leap from sales trainer and stress management consultant to emotional resilience training and mindset mastery. Expound on that a little bit and then we'll get into the rest of your story. I am an accidental entrepreneur. I love it. <laughs> I was married. You know, what a lady wrote in her book about um, the 10 things women can do to mess up their lives. Uh, I was one of those who opted for marriage and motherhood. It didn't work out so well. Here I am. I had three young kids, five, three, and one, and no husband, no degree. I got a job doing sales and I got to the end of the month and I had a choice to make. I could either pay 
daycare or I could pay the rent Hmm. and I couldn't do both. So I got lucky and a friend who had a business in her home suggested I look at having a similar business, which was as a licensed family daycare provider. So I fast tracked through Hmm. the training and the certification and I didn't know anything about anything when it came to business. All I knew is I had three kids to feed and a roof to keep over their right, head. Right. So I walked my daughter, my first one, my oldest one was going to kindergarten. I walked them to the bus stop every morning and told everybody, I'm newly licensed. I have openings. Do you know anybody who needs to have help with their kids before or after school? Didn't matter. I was open long hours. I didn't know that was called networking <laughs> and referral marketing on all of the, the language that I have learned since then. What I learned is that if you ask for help, help shows up and people started showing up and helping me master networking in a bigger way. When I outgrew the daycare, meaning I knew the name of all seven dwarfs and I had no idea who was in office. Yeah, <laughs> by then my kids were in middle school and high school and I was out playing with the grownups again, learning other ways to do business. I was a networking junkie. You know, I went to hundreds of networking events and gave out thousands of business cards, built up a ton of goodwill and had very few clients and had no idea why. That mystery wasn't solved until just the last few years. Hmm. What I did learn, though, was some really great skills that I discovered that I could teach. And that's how I ended up in sales training. You know, what is it they say? If what you can't do, teach. Right. So how to have those conversations, how to create rapport, how to explain what you do in terms of what other people want. It was something that I could help other people do, even if I wasn't getting great results with it myself. It was very bizarre. But again, that was a mystery that got solved for me in the last two years. Not my problem anymore. But back then, I was a great sales trainer. (laughs) And that's how I ended up writing that first book. Um, Your Path from Secret to Success is a seven-week quick start sales guide. What's really true about it, Carol, is that it's a mindset mastery book Hmm. disguised as a sales training book. I've always been into the mindset side. And my guess is, I want you to continue, but my guess is you use humor as well. The brain retains more on positive. When you can evoke a smile, when you can laugh, when you get your brain on positive, according to Sean Aker, the happiness professor from Harvard, you are 31% more productive. Salespeople brain on positive, 37% more likely to make sales. So absolutely, humor whenever possible. And it did get me in trouble with two different communities. Um, it it kind of leaped forwards a little bit is it, because it was when I turned my focus to teen suicide prevention that I discovered What most people call prevention is what I call intervention. Hmm. It only kicks in when someone is at risk. And I didn't realize how big of a gap there was in what I defined suicide prevention and how the culture was defining it until I was running the suicide prevention show, which is an online summit. And I interviewed 
experts, you know, back to back two days, 12 each day, 24 experts. And my speakers were sending out emails to say, hey, I'm going to be interviewed on the suicide prevention show. You know, you might want to come and listen. And one of them got pushed back and they got a rather um, scathing email that said, how dare you put fun and suicide prevention in the same sentence? How dare you? Suicide prevention is a daily battle to stay alive. And I went, wow. No kidding. So my speaker handled it really well with a lot of grace. And then I wrote a reply. And instead of sending it to the gentleman who wrote that email, first I sent it to all of the speakers that for the upcoming summit, the upcoming show. And I said, hey, you might be stepping into some controversy. Here's what's going on. And here's what I intend to respond with. And I had, and, and if you want to opt out of the show, I'm fine. I get it. If you don't want to be part of the controversy. I had two speakers reply. Nobody dropped out. That was kind of cool. Uh-huh. Two speakers replied. And the first one said, Jackie, you can't call it a show. You have to call it a symposium or at least a summit. You can't put suicide prevention and fun in the same sentence. You will never be taken seriously by the mental health community or by the educational community. I said, oh, okay. The second speaker wrote and said, hey, Jackie, I think your response would have more impact if you organized it this way. So I took the liberty of um, doing some editing and saved a copy. What do you think? And those were the only two responses I got. And how did you respond? I wrote back to him and I said, hey, Steve, I get that every day is a day is a struggle for you to stay alive, that you are working with suicide intervention because you're already struggling with suicidal thoughts. And we appreciate that you took the time to write to us. When we say suicide prevention, we're not talking about preventing the act of suicide. We're talking about preventing suicidal thinking from getting stuck in someone's head. I get that we can't be there for you because you're already struggling with suicidal thinking. So we can't prevent that for you. But this is what we do for the world is help prevent suicidal thoughts from getting stuck in someone's head because suicidal thoughts are actually normal. They're part of our natural negative bias. They're part of our worst case scenario problem solving mechanism. Even Freud said that suicidal thoughts are normal. It's getting stuck that is the problem. Right. And then I said, and Steve, if our message that suicide prevention, pure prevention is fun, pushes you away from us and into the waiting arms of a suicide intervention and intervention specialist, our message is doing its job. And that became an article after he responded. It became an article on LinkedIn called Your message hit me like a slap in the face because that's how he started his email to us. What's really interesting, Carol, is that Steve attended the suicide prevention show (laughs) all two days. He was there, you know, listening and watching. And at the end, he actually opted to come and do an impromptu Q&A with me. And the next season of the suicide prevention show, he had stepped up into speaking about suicide. Wow. He it would, had taken on a mission to work through Toastmasters and to learn to become a humorist oh, on the my word. And so I interviewed him as an expert on my next show. 
we don't know the impact we're going to have. That's right. And I had to be willing to say, if the suicide prevention world, if the mental health world, if the educational world are not going to take me seriously, I am okay with that. That's not my world. My world is you and your family and you have this normal life. We were a typical middle-class American family until we weren't. And that's how I had to come down on it and say, I don't care. I mean, I don't like to piss people off, but I don't care if I'm not taking seriously Uh in suicide interventionism world. They need them. Oh, my God, if it wasn't for the intervention specialists, I don't know that my daughter would still be alive. So God bless them. And I am not them. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I am not any of those things that would make me qualified to intervene when you're struggling with suicidal thinking. What I am qualified to do is help you develop some emotional Teflon so that that negative echo chamber doesn't get started. That's what I'm good at. And that's all that I want to talk about. You touched on a few things that are kind of floating around in my brain that I'm not sure exactly how to ask you. So I'm just going to give you my thoughts Mm -hmm. before we move forward with your story. And that is, first of all, something that you said initially was that people talking about sales in the sales world, that people gravitate to the positive. I thought it was the opposite. I thought that people in general gravitate to the negative and see themselves there. Is that not true? All right, you've got two sides of the brain. And the two sides of the brain. One, we have a natural negative bias. So we are naturally looking for what's wrong because that's how the caveman brain is programmed to help us survive. Okay, so yes, we naturally look for what's wrong. And... Your brain on positive is 31% more productive. So we can learn to focus, to attribute success to the positive side of the brain. It's about understanding how your brain really works and how to use it in alignment with the natural rhythms of your mind. Most of us just weren't taught. We just were not taught that that area behind our eyes and between our ears was ours to control. And it is. We can do a lot with it once we give ourselves permission to own that real estate and not give it away to other people to brainwash us. And make no mistake, we are brainwashed all the time. What we see, what we hear, our input system into our brain, we're being brainwashed. And if we don't take control over what our inputs are, then we don't have control over what we think or how we feel. I'd rather live by choice. That was my next question. You (laughs) just answered, I was going to say, but don't we have the ability to control what we are listening to and make that choice? And you just- just... yes and no. (laughs) Okay. I'm gonna say yes and no. Okay. Do, Do we have the ability? Yes. Do we know that we have the ability? And are we taught how to use that ability to choose? No, we're not taught how to consciously choose. We are taught not to stand out from the crowd. We are taught to care what the neighbors think. We are taught a bunch of rules for getting along in society that actually diminish our ability to choose to live a life that fills us with joy. 
because we look around and other people are all unhappy and we think we have to be unhappy too. You know, if you don't believe me, go to any bar at 5.30 on a weeknight. They call it happy hour because that's the opposite of what's going on. People aren't happy. And so because we look around and we notice that other people aren't happy, we feel weird when we're happy. And I'm okay with being weird. I would rather be weird and happy than fit in and be unhappy because I lived that way for a really long time. I'm not willing to do that again. I really love what you just said because I can relate. And if I can relate, then so many others are relating as well. In my memoir, there are 12 chapters and 12 traumas. And how I dealt with each one of those essentially was by attitude, having a positive attitude no matter what was going on, and also through humor. When my husband was said that he had brain damage and would never function properly, I found ways to make him laugh. So it's another it's another aspect of what you're saying, if I'm hearing you correctly, is even in the middle of something that could be extremely traumatic, that we find something else instead of going to, oh no, poor me, to how can I change this? And one of the ways that I change it is through humor. Is this what you're saying? as well the answer is of course one of the ways we can change our emotional state and our physiology immediately is with humor you know whether it's watching a funny movie whether it's reading a book like anatomy of illness or the biology of belief there is a a preponderance of evidence now that says even if you fake a laugh your body will produce the chemicals of laughter. That's why they created something called a laughter club. So what do we know? We know that your body, when it comes to the chemicals in your body, the stress chemicals or the counterbalancing chemicals, your body can't tell the difference between a real threat, a perceived threat, or an imaginary threat. And your body can't tell the difference between a real joy, a perceived joy, and an imagined joy. You get to choose what are you going to focus on? And most people are trained to focus on what was wrong with the past, what could go wrong in the future, and what's wrong right now. Instead, they could be training their brains to focus on what went well today, (laughs) what went well, what could go right, what would this look like if I succeeded? That kind of question. You know, what's perfect right now? What's good enough right now? And believe it or not, if you just start with good enough, your brain will start building on that really quickly. We call it building evidence of the positive. These are the building blocks of prosperity. And prosperity matters. Optimism matters. And they are a choice. They are not a gift. They don't require a lot of hard work. They are simply a choice and you have to reclaim the ability to choose. I was thinking as you were talking that you could take this dialogue and put it into a book and then I realized that you already have done that (laughs) (laughs) because there's so many gems and we're going to we're going to expound a little more on that and this is something that you said the journey into the world of mental health services and cultural taboos left you feeling lost and alone. I'm fine. 
that's the image that you were portraying on the outside. But you hid a deep psychic wound behind a facade of frantic entrepreneurial activity. So I realize we're stepping back now into what you initially talked about, but let's address that. Have you ever just been busy, Carol? Busy, like busyness, busy, not doing anything? Is that what you mean? Well, have you ever watched an entrepreneur be busy? You know, an entrepreneurial woman can be busy behind her computer trying to pick out colors for her logo Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and not making sales calls. And this is when the elephant in the room idea started showing up for me. Because when I say I hid behind frantic, frenetic entrepreneurial activity, I was busy. I was busy in a way only an entrepreneur can be busy. And busyness is the opposite. It's actually the biggest block to getting to know yourself, to having a deep and meaning spiritual life, to having solid relationships, especially relationships with ourselves. So being busy was the hallmark of entrepreneurialism and the death of my soul. And that led to clinical depression. And thanks to intervention and medication and counseling and therapy, I climbed out of that hole. And then not long later, I fell right back in. And counseling, therapy, interventions, medications got me out again. Western medicine could get me stable, but they couldn't cure me. And they, you know, no matter how many times, how much shock we did, it was like a mystery because things that worked for other people weren't working for me and they couldn't figure out why. So I went, I traded counseling, therapy, and medication for mindfulness, energy, and meditation. It was like taking all the mental and emotional trash in my head and putting it in bags. Yeah, it didn't take up so much room in my mental kitchen. It didn't smell quite so bad, but it was still there. And while I stopped struggling as much with depression, I started struggling more with anxiety. Because I was afraid that if I did something like a new project or a new relationship, um, hey, Carol, that was like cooking up a gourmet meal (laughs) and serving it in my pristine dining room, all the time being afraid that they could still smell the trash in my kitchen. Mm, Good point. Wow. And then I realized that I was afraid every day that something would come along and rip open one of those bags of trash and I'd have to deal with that whole mess all over again. That's what pushed me to study the mind and language and how these things start playing together. But it was only when I added the study of emotions. When I added the study of emotions to it and understood how thoughts and emotions, how the mind and the emotions play together, how the body stores the emotions, how the awareness of your connection to all that is, this spiritual game, how those four pieces play together is when things really started to shift for me. And I've been depression free and medication free since 2003. And I'm coming up on 20 years. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. There's so many things here, so many nuggets. Anybody that listens to this broadcast today, I am sure they're going to want to listen to it again. But we haven't even gotten into the real meat of that story yet that you're going to share. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, you're going to share 
that story that we talked about in the very beginning of something that happened in 2019 that you never expected. We'll be right back. Carol Graham would like to show you the path from misery to miraculous triumph in her fast-paced memoir, Battered Hope. She relates her determination to succeed as someone who experienced one horrendous nightmare after another. Gang raped and left for dead, loss of a child, husband falsely imprisoned, and cancer. Nothing could break her tenacity or faith. No matter what you face, heartache, loss, suffering, or injustice, Carol will illustrate how she became a victor the same way you can. The secret is to never, ever give up hope. Order your copy at Amazon or batteredhope.blogspot.com. I want to thank Jackie Simmons for being on Never Ever Give Up Hope today. She has shared so many golden nuggets. Oh my goodness. So many things I was writing as fast as I could listening to what she was sharing because not only was I relating on different levels but I know that the listening audience is as well. So we're going to now talk about the story that really changed Jack, one of them that changed Jackie's life and also this a problem that we have not just nationwide but worldwide that she is going to address from I believe a different perspective than what we are normally used to hearing. So let's start with August the 3rd 2019. Your now 37 year old daughter broke the silence. You have called that day the day your purpose tapped you on the shoulder. Please tell us what happened that day. Oh my goodness. Stephanie was beautiful. My daughter, Stephanie, 37. She was part of a group of speakers getting ready to deliver a seven minute message that matters. And Carol, everything worked. Anybody who's ever tried to organize an event, everything worked. The videographer was set, the microphones worked, the the slides worked. It was great. The audience started taking their seats. I'm super proud of my daughter. She looked amazing. You know, a flowery skirt and a dark blouse and her hair was pulled back in combs. She was getting um, into that nervous kind of excited state that you can get into right before you give a talk. She was first up on the speaker's roster and the lights dimmed. Everyone help me welcome Stephanie Ashton. (laughs) Stephanie walked confidently to the front of the room and shook my hand. And she started by saying 3,000 American teens will attempt to take their own lives today. And in the back of the room, I felt the blood run out of my face because I had no idea the number was that high and I had no idea suicide was her topic. Her next sentence, when I was 14, after a bad day of shopping, I stood in my bathroom. The pain of not fitting into any clothes was just more proof that I didn't fit in anywhere. And that pain was more than I could bear. So I took a razor and cut into my left arm, trying to end the pain and my life. While in the back of the room, 
I recognize that only my 30 years of stress management training was keeping me from crawling into a corner and just bawling my eyes out. Because while I had lived through it, we hadn't really talked about it. I'd convinced myself that as long as she was getting professional help, Mm -hmm. we didn't have to talk about it. We were good. Stephanie continued her talk by saying it wasn't my only attempt. There were others, and I still struggle with suicidal thoughts. And at the back of the room, I felt myself go from pale to bone cold as I realized the struggles my daughter had faced alone because I hadn't had the courage to have that talk about suicide. Uh, She shared that we had the other talks. We didn't talk about suicide, but we talked about sex and we had the talk about drugs. We had the talk about alcohol. And then she went to college on a dry campus. I found out that means that the kegs were hidden in the showers of the girls' dorm. When she ended her talk with, you know, along my suicide avoidant journey, I've learned tons of coping skills. Now I want to teach those skills to teenagers before they need them. Oh my goodness, Carol, there was not a dry eye in the house. And people gave her a standing ovation. They rushed up and hugged her. They thanked her for being so brave, so willing, so vulnerable. And in the back of the room, I was frozen. I was totally torn between pride for her bravery and guilt and shame. And then it hit me. 3,000 a day, 3,000 American teens attempt to take their own lives every day. Carol, that means every day 6,000 parents start to live the guilt nightmare that I'd live. That means every day over 20,000 grandparents, aunts, uncles, brothers, and sisters start to live that guilt nightmare. And that means every day. Hundreds of thousands of classmates, teachers, boyfriends, girlfriends, neighbors, all start to live that guilt nightmare, probably just as blindsided by it as I had been. And then I wondered, what if Stephanie was right? What if the key to stopping teen suicide was as simple as having the talk about suicide before you think it's needed? before your loved one starts to struggle with suicidal thinking. Well, this simple and obvious, you know, like uh, putting wheels on luggage kind of obvious, this simple and obvious thought led to Stephanie and I deciding to work together after that event. I mean, who knew (laughs) that was possible? Along with her sisters, we created the Teen Suicide Prevention Society and went to work trying to help people break the silence. That's how the book um, of... uh, Make it a great day. The choice is yours. Got created. It was the first just a collection of stories designed to help people break the silence on uncomfortable topics, especially suicide. What we found was that people didn't want to talk about it because you hit it earlier. They don't know how. So we created the how. We created a really simple scripted And the script is neuroscience based. So we created the script that anyone can use to have the talk that saves lives, a suicide prevention conversation with anyone in their family. And they are never blindsiding anybody with the conversation. Everyone, the, the invitation's right there. And when you invite using the script, people say yes. 
And you never have to find out if they are currently struggling or have ever even really struggled. You don't need to know. In order to help suicide proof them, you just have to read the script. And as long as people are willing to read it, you know, and, and the invitation is really cute, Carol. Hey, I got an idea. Instead of me talking about the talk, would you be okay to role play it with me? And we can show everybody how easy <laughs> this is. And where is that script available? It's available on the Teen Suicide Prevention Society.com. Now, that's a lot. Teen Suicide Prevention Society. So there's a shortcut. The initials are teaspoons. So just write out the word teaspoons. T-E-A-S-P-O-O-N-S. And then put .org at the end of it. It'll take you the same place. And right there at the top, it says learn the talk. It's free. The guide is free, and there's a one-hour training. It's not a long commitment, and you don't even have to have the training because if you just promise to read the script, you'll be Mm -hmm. fine. One of the things that I wanted to ask you was that your definition of suicide prevention is different than what most of us think it is. Could you explain that? Oh, I'd love to. It came out of Stephanie's talk, that line, before they need them. It also came out of that conversation we had a little earlier where I shared about Steve's story, where for him, suicide prevention was a daily battle to stay alive. And I realized that most suicide prevention programs are trying to answer the question, how do you stop suicide? Seems logical, right? But they're only focused on the people who are already struggling with suicidal thinking. Mm. They have a mental health diagnosis or they have a previous attempt. And that's the ideal client, right? The ones who you know have the problem. I decided that my ideal clients were the other people, the ones who you can't tell by looking is what I've discovered. The ones who are not obviously struggling, they don't have a mental health diagnosis, they don't have a previous attempt in their past. And there's one in every room, Carol. Every single networking room that I go into, whether in person or online, as soon as people know that I'm the director of the Teen Suicide Prevention Society, I start getting private chats and private conversations. And what have I learned? I've learned that in every room, if there are more than four people in the room, the odds are really high. Wow. That one person in that room is grieving the loss of a loved one to suicide. And one person or more are struggling to stay alive. Oh my word. And you can't tell by looking. So the talk to stop suicidal thinking is something you don't wait until you know they need it. It's designed as the preventative. And it's really super simple. It's only four questions and it's got mindset magic built into it. That's why I love doing the role plays and demoing it because it works some mindset magic on everyone listening. And I want people to understand that you're not probing or prying or opening up a can of worms when you follow the script. It is designed to prevent re-traumatization because that's our motto. Our motto at Success Journey Academy, that's my company, our motto is no one gets re-traumatized on our watch. So the talk that saves lives does have safety features into it so that it's a safe 
talk. And at the end of it, you're actually helping people without them even knowing it, helping them build out a buffer between them and an edge. They don't even know that they're near or they may not be near. They're still building out a buffer between them and the edge. And what do I know? When people have a buffer, when they have the mindset magic that's built into the talk that saves lives, I'll never need to worry about talking them off a ledge. Hmm. Wow. Won't go there. Their brain won't be able to. It is possible to rewire your brain towards the positive. There are a lot of different ways to do it. This one is the first one that we created. And then we have more since then. And this is the one that I'm hoping all of your listeners will get a chance to experience. Now, is that your new program that you're referring to? No, this is the Talk That Saves is... Lives, the original okay. program in Teaspoons. Yeah, this is the um, the simple four questions that if you have this talk with someone, both of your brains, because of mirror neurons, start building out a buffer between you and the edge. So that's the original program. Now, what's come out of it since then is a full series of emotional resilience mastery trainings, including what we are becoming known for, which is do it yourself, taking out the trash, permanently erasing emotional trauma from the events of your past without ever needing to talk about them. All right. How's that possible? (laughs) (laughs) It's a six-week class where, I mean, this is what I've been doing with my private clients for years, permanently erasing emotional trauma from the events of the past without needing to talk about it. The work is done in a series of guided imagery sessions, starting with creating muscle memory for positive, powerful states of emotion. You know, the shift of your brain from naturally negative, which is how the caveman's brain is wired to keep us safe, into the proactively positive, that's where we start. We want to make sure that you have the ability to shift your emotions, have control over your emotions at will. And so that's where a session starts. And in the first session and every session, we guarantee you will permanently resolve two episodes or more of negative emotional history without needing to talk about it. It's a very precise process and it's done in a state of relaxation. So it's actually a lot of fun. Well, you know me, it's going to have something in there that's funny. Let's start with where people can get in touch with you and is everything available in the same spot your programs, your books. Tell us what you want us to know. JackieSimmons.com. That is where you may not find everything, but you will find the access to both the six-week course that's coming up, the three-day event that we host, which is your story or your life. We believe you either rewrite your story or be prepared to relive it. And I did not want to relive my story again. So we have a three-day event that we have four times a year. And then you can also find the weekly masterclass for busting your limiting beliefs. We get that done in an hour and that is absolutely free. I am on a mission to make suicide, not just teen suicide, but all suicide a thing of the past. 
I believe mental health is an inside job. We just weren't given the instruction book. That's it in a nutshell, isn't it? <laughs> wow. Okay. I like that. So in summary, and as a word of encouragement or whatever you would like, what would you like to say? You can't do it wrong. You can't have lived your life wrong. Everything that you have done was good enough. How do we know? you're here. So that means that everything you've ever done in your life, every decision you've ever made, every penny you've ever spent, every second you've ever lived, they were good enough because you are still here. And the minute you make peace with your past, now you can create a future that you love. You can live a life in this moment that you love. And I hope you do. Thank you. I thank you for everything you shared, including your heart and what you went through. That's the part that I know that many people, like myself, related to. The technical side, that was phenomenal. That's where I took the notes. And so you have addressed our emotions and definitely have inspired us and motivated us to use this program to uh, connect with you, not only to help ourselves, but I think that as we are listening, we know people that need to hear this message when you said the statistics about if there are four people in any room that one has been affected and others have thought about it it just hit me there's still that side of us that needs to be addressed and this is what you so clearly pointed out today well thank you and I did promise everyone that I would say what it was that changed for me in the last two years oh, all that's the right. years yes. that I struggled here's what changed I stopped having secrets the day that I stood on the TEDx stage and shared my story and my daughter's story all of a sudden I stopped having secrets and I stopped being afraid it's really a different way to live when you don't feel vulnerable because my opinion of myself is in the center of my life. It doesn't mean I don't pay attention to other people's opinions. It just means that mine comes first now. And that's a life worth living. Thank you for that, Jackie. And thank you so much for everything that you shared today and for being on Never Ever Give Up Hope. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.